What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Wednesday, December 7th, the afternoon before the Grizzlies take on the Oklahoma City Thunder, looking to extend their winning streak to four games. And, um, you know, it seems like they're really trying to hit their stride right now. Um, you know, they got some guys coming back. People are getting settled into their roles and you know, we're going to be talking about that a little bit on the show with our guests. But first, let me tell you how you need to keep in touch with the blog and with the podcast. So GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Blues Podcast Network alongside Starting Five Podcast, the Next Gen Podcast, the Core Four Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Blues or Grizzly Bear Bets. You can find that wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is the Memphis Grizzlies blog on the SB Nation Network. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is a sports host and journalist over at ABC24, Avery Braxton. Avery, what's up, man? How's it going? It goes, man. It goes. It's always a good day when you got a Grizzlies game day. Looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it's actually my day off, man. So I'm chilling. You know, I got a little workout in this morning and a little lunch, and now I'm talking Grizzlies. It's a good day. There we go, dude. No, that's you always love love a good old productive day. Um, I I I did not get to make my uh my morning lift this morning, uh, but I I will take the the little bit of extra sleep that I got over what I usually get. Uh, especially this week. Uh, so just in case y'all don't know, uh, I'm getting married this week. So that's why. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's why I haven't really been podcasting much. You know, I've been busy trying to get all the wedding stuff sorted out. You know, Thanksgiving and then getting our house all ready. So yeah, so I just wanted to record this one last one before the wedding festivities kick off and before the honeymoon next week. But we're gonna have a good show. You ready to get rocking? Avery? Yeah, man. I'm sure your fiance is uh, happy that you have your priorities in order. You know, oh yeah, wedding, house, you know, <laughs> Grizzlies podcasting has got to be a little further down the list than on a weekend oh. like this. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, but you know, uh, always good. You know, talking Grizz, man, and you know, uh, the next man mentality thing has been a a thing for the Grizzlies ever since this era started, and I feel like this past week has really kind of served as a reminder for that. And, uh, you know, uh, they haven't had their starting five together at all this season. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. missed like the first 14, 50 games of the season. And when he comes back, doesn't bang gets hurt. So you've had a lot of guys getting used to different roles. You had different players getting used to the league, all that kind of stuff. But I feel like it really kind of hit the, Oh Yeah. The Grizzlies, next man up mentality, their depth's pretty strong. And it kind of hit um a little bit of its apex this season. And their win against the Miami Heat, who, you know, Miami had all their starters playing, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry. Uh, and the Grizzlies didn't have any of their big three, as well as uh John Conchar, who's been stepping in as the starting shooting guard. More into that later. But, you know, regardless, they still got a nice, convincing win, Avery, but what are, what are your thoughts on just how the Grizzlies next man up mentality continues to evolve with really an ever-changing roster? Uh, I think it's easy to say 
next man up. I think it's one of those kind of cliches, one of those tropes in sports that we, we talk about a lot, especially when it comes to injuries and things of that nature. But I think the Grizzlies are just a perfect embodiment of, of what that has meant this season um, because it would be really easy for them to give the excuses, you know, oh, well, we haven't had Jaron Jackson Jr. for the first, you know, 15 or so games. Oh, you know, John Moran is out this particular night and we should just kind of have it a, a scheduled L. Oh, we get Jaron back and we lose Desmond, you know, you know, they, they can still have that excuse of, dropping a game or two here and there and being like, oh, we're not at full strength. Wait till we get to full strength. And instead, it's really been a, like, who cares that Jaron's not in? Who cares that Dez isn't in? Who cares, you know, we don't have John Conchar tonight. Um, the Grizzlies have just been really good about, like, you know, regardless of who's on the floor, we're going to go try and win the game. Um, and more often than not, they've, they've kind of done that this season. I think it's really been um, remarkable to, to kind of watch them play because Miami, the Miami game especially would have been, and, you know, I said it <laughs> in in my six o'clock show on Monday before the game, I was like, you know, this might be one of those kind of scheduled L's that you kind of talk about throughout the NBA season because they weren't going to have any of their big three. Um, but I think, you know, watching that game was a, was a, just a really good example that it's an, a function of belief and it's a function of leadership. And I think that starts with Taylor Jenkins, but it also starts with John Morant uh, and, and the rest of that kind of those guys who've been there for a couple of years now. Um, I think it is a function of them all kind of being roughly the same age too. Yeah. Um, you know, Ja, Desmond, Jaron, they hype up the the young guys and the surrounding characters kind of the same way they hype each other up, but because they all fall in that like kind of 20 two to 26 ish range. Like there's nobody who's outside of Danny green, obviously who's just like the, the old head. And I yeah. think they can hype each other up the same way you might see it on like a college basketball team. And, you know, if John Morant is hyping me up, <laughs> I'd play better <laughs> too, you know, uh, that's so right. I, I think they just work really well together. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like what you said, it's, it's the leadership, you know, there's, there's a, there's a system in place and, it's really easy for guys to also plug and play, but also, you know, too, Avery, you hear, you know, Taylor Jenkins, you know, talking about like play groups and just having, making sure everybody stays ready because, you know, it seems like whoever has to step in any given night, whether they've been playing every single game or they haven't played consistent minutes beyond garbage time in a month, there still seems to be a bit of sharpness and consistency with this team. And it's just really encouraging with the turnover this team's had and the injuries this team has faced. I want to say I read a stat that they're like they're facing. I think they've had the second most missed games due to injury this season. Yeah. And a lot of you know Desmond Bain. He's before he got hurt, he was averaging twenty five five and five on forty five percent three point shooting. He's been going nuts. And then now Jaron Jackson Jr. He he looks like he's leveled up. We talked about that on, on your show the other night. Um, about I do want to talk about the guy that's you know filled in for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And, uh, and ultimately the guy who's filled in in Kyle Anderson's role as the backup four and that's Santi Aldama. Mm -hmm. Avery at the beginning of the calendar year, and even if you go back to you know twelve months ago, Santi Aldama did not look like an NBA player. He did not look ready for the NBA game. Instead of being a guy, it's like oh. Well, he might be ready by like year three, maybe. Hopefully, you just don't know. Um, 
all of a sudden he's become a very reliable contributor for this Memphis Grizzlies team on both sides of the floor. Just what what kind of dynamic do you think Santi Aldama has added to the front court through these or uh, through these early opportunities that he's got, whether it's starting alongside Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr.'s absence or coming off the bench as the first front court guy off the bench? I think he's just really been aggressive, man. He's just been so aggressive. And I think that's a function of, you know, a lot of the minutes he played last year with the hustle where he just had time to kind of figure out his game a little bit. And, you know, people were really kind of ragging on him in that rookie year. Like, oh, he doesn't look ready. Oh, he, you know, it kind of has that deer in headlights uh, look about him. But, I mean, the reality is he was a rookie in the NBA. And sometimes it takes a year or two years or three years to really, you know, find your stride. And I think that's okay. And in his case, like he's come in this year and really just been um, dynamic. I think we were all kind of looking for, you know, can the Grizzlies kind of keep their head above water while Jaron Jackson Jr. is out, you know, because they started nine and 10 last year. And you were thinking like, oh, they don't have Jaron. It might get, you know, real rough. But I mean, he's really, Santi Aldama has really just held it down. And I think it's been interesting that he's held it down both in the starting role and off the bench, you know, as a starter this year, he's averaging 10.6 boards in a block and they're 10 and six in those games. When he comes off the bench, 8.4 points, five rebounds, two assists. And, you know, that's a function of obviously not necessarily getting as many minutes um, when you're, when you're coming off of the bench, but there's, there's still four and three in those games. So, you know, Santi has really just done a, a really strong job, and he's pretty much doubled all of his stat totals over f- from his rookie year. So I think if you're this coaching staff, uh, you have to be really, really pleased with the way Santi Aldama has um, been able to come in and, and be that plug-and-play big. And I, I think it's, a fun- it's really great because he's been able to not only – you know, be a long arm, you know, defensive presence. He's not necessarily, you know, as good defensively as Jaron Jackson Jr., but, you know, you're not necessarily afraid of him being out there on the perimeter too much on the defensive end. He can still be, you know, long in the paint. And then on the offensive end, he just does a lot of things really well. He shoots the ball from three really well, or not, I won't say really well. He shoots the ball from three um, adequate. You know, you have to respect him being out there uh, and, He's really good in catching shoots. And we all know when you're playing with John Morant on a night to night basis, you better be ready for a catch and shoot. And he's done a good job uh, doing that this year. So, you know, Santi, you can tell it kind of goes back to that you know point I was making before, you know, John Morant's hyping you up and the way the rest of the team hypes each other up, he's walking around with swagger. And I oh, think yeah. when, you play, when you play with swagger, there's no telling, you know, what night you're going to go off. And he's just been the, a model of consistency. Yeah, no, he's, he's played with a lot of swagger. It was kind of evident in that little dealio, I guess, where he dunked on Julius Randle on opening night and yeah. got a technical foul. But you know, I know, dude, he, it, it's really just been a revelation because it's one of those things where, you know, he just obviously he looks more confident. Uh, I do want to point on the three-point shooting where, like, you know, before the season, when you're trying to figure out how are the Grizzlies going to hold it down while Jaron Jackson's hurt, you know, Santi Aldama always seemed like the guy that was next man up for that because of what 
Taylor Jenkins and the other players were saying about him coming into the season, it was more of like, and this is like no disrespect or anything, but it's like, can he do stuff at a diet Jaron Jackson Jr. level? He may not be as impactful as Jaron Jackson Jr., but could he fit well with team defense and create events that way? Can he space the floor? I mean, I think it's, even though he's only shooting less than 34%, it's still on four attempts a game. So you have to respect him when he is out there roaming the perimeter for catch and shoot. And, you know, I just want to like point out just how he's fit within that starting lineup too defensively. Uh, all all those start, starting lineups that he's been in, you know, the ones with him, Job, Dylan, Dez, and Steve-O, or Job, DB, Conchar, Stevo, and Santi, all of them have defensive ratings lower than 100, which is really good. It just shows that, you know, they kind of can stick to their principles because you have at all times, whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr. or Santi Aldama, you have two seven footers out there with Steven Adams alongside a perimeter defender like Dylan Brooks you're going to have a good defense that way. It allows you to kind of maintain consistency with the system. And um, so, yeah, it's just uh, something I've really kind of found encouraging through all that because in the process, you're unlocking new front court combinations. You know, we haven't really seen a whole lot of Jaron and Santi, but, you know, you know that the Steven Adams-Santi Aldama lineups work. You can play him next to Brandon Clark to not have Brandon Clark be the sole big man off the bench like he had been before Jaron's uh, return. So I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Santi Aldama. Yeah, I think before the season, when we heard, you know, all right, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be out, and you're immediately wondering, all right, who who replaces Triple J? And (laughs) as media members were asking, you know, Taylor Jenkins or asking the front office, like, all right, who's going to replace Triple J, do you think? And they're like, yeah, Santi Aldama. He's looked really good this summer. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> if, you, if you say so. Um, and it just goes to show how how good this front office has been in, in player development and the coaching staff as well, just in player development. Um, you know, and, and Zach, we have to trust because he really he hasn't been wrong yet. Uh, you know, in, in my experience. Oh, yeah, it's been all hand-in-hand, hand, you know? Yeah. Clyman's found the right guys. Taylor Jenkins has found a way to make it work. Because, you know, you can find the right guys all day long, but if you don't have the coach to have the system in place, it just it won't work. We've seen that in other places that I won't name. But um, another player I do want to kind of talk about here is uh, John Conchar because, you know, he, he's been this next man up ever since he came in with the Grizzlies, you know, last year or even in his sophomore season, first year off the two-way contract, he was a guy that kind of stepped in emergency in case if uh, the injury list piled up. And then last year he was the 11th man. So one injury happens, here comes John Conchar. Um, and now, you know, they they made that trade with the Anthony Melton, made him the, the permanent backup two guard. And with Desmond Baines injury, uh, he – has been forced into the starting lineup where he has performed quite well as a starter Um, in starting minutes this season. So in 14 games, he is averaging 10 points and seven rebounds and a shade over uh, a steal a game while shooting 40% from three on over um, between like four and five, three point attempts per game. So, 
Avery, I do want to ask you because, you know, the message with John, it's never been about can he shoot, it's will he shoot. This season he's shooting the ball, and he's firing about four threes per game at roughly the same clip he did last year, around 41%. While also he's not sacrificing, you know, his rebounding and his defensive playmaking and moving the basketball. So just how do you think his willingness to let it fly has enhanced his glue guy skill set? I think it's a it's one of those things where they clearly told him to shoot it. They're just like, mm-hmm. yo, on the floor, shoot that thing. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> shoot that thing because it's, it's so clear that he can be a, a great shooter. His release is incredibly quick. And especially on catch and shoot situations, he is really good. And, and like we said with Santi Aldama, when you're on the floor with John Morant, you're going to get those opportunities where the whole defense is going to collapse and you're going to be wide open boot you know big booty butt naked open and you know you got to knock it down i think he's done that this year i think he's um really been you can tell again his confidence um is kind of sky high and mm-hmm. from what i can tell he's just one of those players where he's always going to be where he's supposed to be he's going to do what he's supposed to do and quite honestly i mean he's shooting 41% from 3 on 4 4 or 5 shots a game and he plays great defense and Quite honestly, what more are you asking him to do? Um, I don't think they're going to ask him to do much more than that, especially once they get, you know, their full complement of players back. Um, And, you know, one thing I thought was interesting, and you brought it up, just his rebounding numbers, he's top five in rebounding among shooting guards in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. Fourth of 142 rebounds. And he's the only non-starter in the top ten. And granted, he has started some games this year, um, especially since Desmond Bain has been out, but he's not the primary starter. And right. it's been really interesting to see him. He just plays solid all around. And you're not, you're, you're just not asking him to do too, too much. And when you're not asking him to do too, too much, um, he can be really solid as, as a rotational player in, in your lineup. Absolutely. And, you know, just another guy in that wing rotation, I do want to talk about is David Roddy, you know, and he's been unfairly the uh, the subject of a little bit of criticism, which I'm like, hey, it's his first month in the league. Let's chill out a little bit. But, you know, I feel like he's really kind of finding his groove a little bit, finding um, his stride in the NBA in a sense. I mean, granted, there is still times where, you know, he looks like his he looks like a rookie and his impact on the floor resembles a late first round rookie. I think the Grizz- Grizzlies fan base is a little bit spoiled with how quickly our rookies have come around in a sense. But, you know, um, and over the since the start of November, he's shooting 37% from three, averaging 6.6 points. Granted, there's been some games where it's like, okay, they can't keep him on the floor this long because they're just getting obliterated. But, you know, like last week against Philly and last week against Minnesota, you know, he really put together some good minutes. So, just how have you seen David Roddy grow and just what has really kind of stood out to you just kind of in that process for him? So Roddy, I think, and some people aren't going to like this answer, but I think he is a product of the injuries. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think it's going to play in the Grizzlies' favor that they played as well as they have early on in the season but because of the injuries, because of no Jaron Jackson Jr., because no Zaire, 
which is really where Roddy is kind of plugging in right now. Um, no DB. I think you're seeing that because you're forced into minutes, you're forced into action, you have no choice but to grow up quickly. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing from him on the floor is, you know, early on you you look around and Jake LaRavia to a certain extent was the kind of the same way. You're, you're, you're thinking, yeah, man, we don't know if these guys are going to, going to pan out, but the reality is they're playing way more than you were expecting them to play, you know, early on in the season. Um, but, you know, Taylor Jenkins has been and that coaching staff have been patient with him and, you know, He's adjusted to the pace of the game, especially, I would say, in the last, you know, two weeks or so. Um, and he's – I don't necessarily feel like he's a handicap, you know, anymore. Early on, he kind of felt like a – kind of felt like a handicap. But now he's he's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, he's got that quick release. You know, and you can tell, same way with John Conchar, they don't, they don't told him, you get a you get an open shot, shoot that thing. Let it ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, you know, shoot it again. And I think, again, that's a function of – Desmond Baines telling, not just the coaching staff, Desmond Baines telling him that, you know, John Morant's telling him that. And, we, you know, you kind of saw a, a clip not too long ago of John Morant coaching up Jake LaRavia on the sideline when he's in street, when, when Jaws in street clothes. And those rookies, they're going to be fine. They're oh, really yeah. going to be okay. Um, yeah. And I think the one thing I like about Roddy is just he's good for quick spurts of offense. Like, he'll come into the game, he'll, you know, hit a wide open three, and then he'll come back down the lane, and he's got, for whatever reason, they're just giving him a police escort to the basket, and he uses that big frame to get himself an and one. And you look up, he's been in the game a minute and a half, and he's got six points. And yeah. that's what he's good for. I think the Minnesota game was an excellent example of that, 13 points on, on three or four shooting. He's he's going to be exactly what Taylor Jenkins needs him to be. And I think what everybody on the team is good at is they don't do too much. They understand the pecking order. They just don't do too much. They do what they asked to do. And John Morant is really the only player that is, you know, goes above and beyond what he's asked to do. That's right. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like you said, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have his moments where, you know, you're like, all right, let's we they gotta get this guy off the floor. This is not his night. But you know, I really have kind of liked how he's, you know, less just and it like it is important for him to shoot the three ball. I think he is a decent three-point shooter but he's really been taking advantage of his size to get inside and i think that's where he could be a big asset i i do like and i think the thing that he's finding right now is finding driving angles and finding a way to utilize his body and those angles to leverage a good a good advantage there uh but also too i think you know he's a like you said he's a product of the injuries and right now and um i think once you get guys healthy you can kind of send them down to the G League here and there, get some reps, get some confidence, and kind of just build some good habits, kind of like what they did with Santi Aldama last year. And um, what before we get to the question of the day, though, I do want to ask you because, you know, this this guy had the, the grindhouse jumping on Monday night, and it'd be remiss of me not to bring up Kennedy Chandler. Um, and – I, I got to put, put this out there. Like I, you know, I wrote that piece about him on Monday um, about how Memphis provides him the opportunity to grow, you know, with hustle reps and uh, playing alongside John Morant and Tyus Jones, you know, Jaws been his big bro for years. And then, and then you also too had 
Tyus, who was in a similar situation to him. And then next thing you know, he plays, puts together some good minutes, and I'm just like, all right, well, I did not plan this. I did not know this was going to happen, but, hey, this is awesome. But what what stood out to you in the game with Kennedy Chandler the other night? I know he's not going to play a whole lot this year, but, you know, when 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 the Memphis kid ends up putting on a good performance in front of his hometown, you got to – you gotta talk about it a little bit. So what did what did you uh like from KC's game the other night? He's just a he's just a dog. <laughs> and he said it. He said it. He he I mean he said it himself. Um he's just a dog and he's not gonna be intimidated by you know the fact that he has to, that he steps onto the floor. And I think that's a product of more growing up in Memphis than it is playing with John Morant. Like you you have to have that in you already. And I think, you know, you don't get that in a month necessarily. Um, I think Kennedy Chandler is just, you know, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit before the season started, before he got drafted. And he talked about how much it would mean to him to play for Memphis, but you can tell like he just doesn't have that deer in headlights reaction when he's on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. for a couple of games where he, where he played, you're like, all right, He's a rookie, and that's okay. But last night, you know, he came in off the bench, and you can see the vision. You know, mm-hmm. they we didn't know if we were going to be able to keep Tyus, uh, Tyus Jones, and it was kind of be like, all right, well, you know, Kennedy Chandler might end up being that backup point guard, and you can just see that, that it's going to pay dividends, him playing behind not just John Morant. I think he gets an aggressive mentality from John Morant. You can kind of see it in the way he, you know, drives to the basket and <laughs> – People were making jokes on Twitter that, you know, some of the layups he had looked just like Morant. But I think, you know, he's going to get just a uh, a basketball IQ and a basketball wisdom from Tyus that is really going to pay off at some point later on down the line um, because he already is really smart on, on both ends of the floor. He's aggressive defender and, you know, he's he's going to be fine. And, you know, when they're hyping him up, uh, it's is you know the same thing we've been talking about kind of this whole um podcast right now is just like when the whole team hypes you up the same way they hype up the starters you it's easy to walk in and play with confidence um mm-hmm. and so he's just not going to be afraid and i think you know we've kind of seen that and monday was a good example yeah Absolutely. No, it was really fun. You know, like you said, there's times he kind of looks like a rookie, kind of was a little bit too sped up, but, you know, he made a lot of good reads, made a lot of good drives. I mean, the the form erupted with that sequence where he kind of stonewalled that Jimmy Butler drive into a jump ball. So, I mean, like you said, he's he's just a dog. And, you know, like I kind of like – I don't I, – I think he has a little bit more upside as like a playmaker and stuff, but, you know, if he can kind of be like a guy, like how Jose Alvarado is for New Orleans, once his numbers called upon to be the backup point guard, and it's gonna be huge for Memphis, especially with the kind of deal that he's on right now. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really excellent example. Um, yeah. Before we get to that question of the day, I, I really gotta say I think Tyus Jones has been the steal of the. Oh offseason. yeah, yeah, um, no, he. he that dude, that dude was hooping like it, like he was back at Duke the other night. He, the shot, cre- just to kind of get into this tangent a little bit, the kind of shot creation display he put together, so good. It was so good. He looked poised in control. 
did a really good job just kind of teetering, you know, being aggressive for his shot, but creating for his teammates. He, he had 28 points and 10 assists. Like, that's an elite stat line right there. And like you said, he, yeah, he he showed you why the Grizzlies made him the highest paying backup point guard. Yeah, 30, 30 mil a year over two years. Uh, I just love his mentality, man. He He said, you know, he is he considers himself a starting caliber point guard, but he just understands that he happens to play with an all-star, all NBA level point guard in John Morant. But you can tell when he has games like he did on Monday that he could start on so many teams that have average to below average starting point guard play. And mm-hmm. it was really fun to watch him on Monday night. Um, and you know, he, he, he was just the big win of the off season to me. The team was 20 and five without John Morant last year because, you know, Tyus's level of play was just really, really good. Just really good. Um, Absolutely. and then even this year, he, he's averaging 20 points and seven assists when John doesn't play. And granted they're one and three in those games, uh, this year, but you know, arguably they could have been two and two if they get, a, you know, a win over Utah the first time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, he, he's done a good job stepping in for Ja. Um, and I also like to add, too, like with those games, I think he's one in three in those games, but I think in only one of those games did he have one of Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. Like the other, the other three games, he didn't have any of those guys. So, you know, I, I think Ty's done a I, – I, you know, I think – there's people out there that are kind of hoping a little bit more out of Tyus. You know, his assist to turnover ratio has kind of gone down a little bit, but he's taking on more scoring responsibility. You know, there's just kind of trade-offs and such, and it's kind of at that point, it's like, what do you prioritize? And I think right now for him and the Grizzlies, there's his prioritization of three-point shooting. And Tyus Jones, to quote you, he's shooting that thing. Like, he he's letting it fly, um, and it's kind of added an extra dynamic to his game to the Grizzlies bench. But um, let's uh, let's close this thing out with the question of the day. Um, still working on the the quote, uh, the co-tweeting and such, but uh, apparently it doesn't let you do polls. So I did the poll in the next one. So I thank you to the 91 people who voted for this question. Which next man up performances have impressed you the most? 63% of y'all said Santi Aldama. 12% of y'all said John Conchar. 22% of y'all said uh Tyus Jones and three percent of y'all said David Roddy. Avery, what was your answer, man? My answer was Santi Aldama. Um and I think it w- really was for all the reasons we talked about, you know, earlier in the show. Um he's just been really dynamic and I think he's really surprised people um with his level of play. I don't think we're necessarily surprised by Tyus Jones. Um uh, maybe you know you didn't expect him to score as well as he has, but we didn't think he was gonna be you know, a bad alternative to, you know, when John Morant wasn't in the wasn't in the game. Santi Aldama playing the way he is, uh, especially behind Jaron Jackson Jr. And you're not feeling like you get a crazy drop off when he comes into the game is just going to play in the Grizzlies favor um, so much when it comes to playoff time. Um, and I think mm-hmm. you know, all, all kind of what we were saying earlier, all the injuries that we've had early on in the season, is really going to pay off uh, for the Grizzlies come playoff time because we're going to have guys who have been, 
battle tested who are who have played oh, a lot more minutes than you know what some of those other guys on on other teams are going to have been are going to have played and they're going to be used to being in situations that are not uh situations that are tight that are critical and we don't expect them to um you know kind of have that deer in the headlights mentality we don't expect them to make rookie mistakes maybe uh in those situations granted salty's not a rookie but uh, we just ex- we're gonna have, the level of expectation is gonna be a lot higher for those guys uh, come playoff time. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I had Santi Aldama too. Um, I even said before the season, I was like, if Santi can make this, the leap from fringe NBA guy to even like a fringe rotation guy, like even if he was the guy, kind of like how Conchar was last year, where he's the eleventh man, kind of coming in, um, uh, whenever there's injuries and stuff. I thought that would have been a pretty big leap for him. But, I mean, he's made this leap from a fringe NBA guy to a legitimate rotation player for a good basketball team. That is a very hard leap to make over the span of a year, and he's done that. And because of that, it's kind of helped him kind of keep their head above water when Jaron Jackson Jr. has been out, and he's now adding a really good dynamic with this bench alongside Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark. So my answer is Santi as well. So let me ask you, when we become fully healthy again, because it looks like it'll happen in the next couple of weeks, Zaire I'm should be back. Probably not, knocking on wood, brother. Knocking on wood. <laughs> knocking on wood, for sure, for sure. Desmond Bain should be back, and then hopefully the next – we'll hope before Christmas. Let's say we hope before Christmas. Who is the 11th man at that point? Is it Kennedy Chandler? No. Um, I can't I, – I think it's going to be Roddy or Laravia. It's really hard for me to peg which one because I don't think either one of them have really generated enough separation from each other to be like, oh, yeah, that's the 11th guy. That's the 12th guy. I think it's going to be one of LaRavia or Roddy because I also think whenever those opportunities arise for any one of those – whenever any opportunities arise through injuries, rests, whatever it may be, they're going to want to play LaRavia and Roddy. So that they're they're ready when their numbers called upon to eventually be rotation guys. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think um and I, again, their their horse race to see who gets those minutes is just it's so close. Uh, it feels like, and especially since Laravia's been out this last these last few games with the foot soreness, you've seen Roddy. You could see why they drafted Roddy where they drafted him and the vision that they you think you know, is that climate in that front office has because he's just such, he's such a, we call Jaron Jackson Jr. unicorn. Roddy is a unicorn in his, in his own right. Maybe we got to find a different mythical creature to compare him to, but for him to be able to shoot that well, to be that big and, and be able to get, you know, into the paint with his driving lanes and everything else, I think we're seeing something that could be special, you know, a year or two down the line if he makes a similar jump to some of these other rookies that rookies have had. Mm-hmm. Kind of have him. I don't know if he's a unicorn, maybe like a, like a bull in a China shop, maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of think he's one of, one of those kind of guys, you know, he's a guy that's bull as he's red. He's just, a, when he gets going downhill, he'd be like a little, like a, like a bowling ball, like in the, in a compliment, you know, cause he's that big physical physicality that he uses and how we can leverage that into scoring opportunities. I was get I was giving I was gonna give him a little bit more praise. Like if <laughs> like if he if he if he became a and PJ Tucker, great role player, I was thinking just like 
and and through by his, by his third year, can can he do what Grant Williams is doing? Like, yeah, that's a good comp. That's that's kind of who I have. But Avery, that's about all the time we have. But I appreciate you hopping on the show. Go ahead and plug in anything that you want to plug in. I know you're a busy 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 dude. So I, so I let the people know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Twitter at Brax underscore Avery. That's B-R-A-X underscore Avery. I've been trying to get, you know, more plugged in on, on Grizz Twitter anyway. So please, you know, give me a follow. Let me know who I should be following so I can be uh, a little bit more plugged in there. And then, uh, again, I work for ABC24, the local um, affiliate here in Memphis. And we have the uh, the 901 Sports Excel show on Sunday nights at 1035. We have guys like Parker Fleming come in, give their two cents on, you know, what the uh, the Grizzlies, the Tigers, and everything else in Memphis got going on. So make sure you tap into that show on on Sunday nights. And, um, you know, Parker, you did a great job on Sunday. and just want to give you your, your flowers while I got you here, or while I'm on your show, rather. Um, so, you know, happy I could return the favor today, man. It's been a good, good uh, conversation. Absolutely. And kind of return, the, the fl- return some flowers back to you. Great show right here. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, y'all gotta check out um, Avery's nine hundred one show at uh, ten thirty five on Sunday nights, right? That's when it comes on, sir. That's right. Y'all gotta check that out on ABC twenty four. Um, him and Clayton they do a really good job with uh, the Memphis sports coverage around here, but especially, but specifically right here, Memphis Grizzlies stuff. So, Avery, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're catching up on all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Uh, for next week, it will either be Sean Coleman or Brandon Abraham hosting this show. So don't don't tap out. But, you know, um, yeah, it's going to be, be a lot of fun. So hopefully I come back from, from the tropics and uh, see the Grizzlies continue their winning ways. So, yeah. Um, until next with a tan. <laughs> and a tan, a tan in December. You can't, can't hate on that, man. So it's gonna be a lot of fun though. I'm absolutely amped up, ready, ready to go, ready to get married, ready to, uh, just have a blast on this, uh, on this journey. So, but yeah, That's awesome. yes, sir. Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show. And for that, with this episode, grind forth Grizz nation, this is grizzly bear blues live. <laughs>